Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of the Modern Employer podcast. Today we're talking about culture and experience engineering. It's a big topic and it's a topic that a lot of you have seen as a culture as a product kind of conversation and debate. Today with me I have a special guest. Hi Luke, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi Olya, yeah thank you for having me. Great, great to be here. Um, so yeah, I'm Luke, I'm the, the founder of a company called SapienX and what we're aiming to do is engineer the physical and psychological environments under which culture evolves. Um, so very much a, a topic that has found great interest at the moment. Um, and my background is 10 years in talent and people ops. So my last role before starting SapienX was that I was actually ahead of people and ops myself in a very fast growing uh, services and payment solutions startup based in Birmingham and that really really lit my passion for for creating environments where where people teams and organizations thrive which is what I carry through into all of my work now and I think over a combination of like experience research and curiosity has led me to take a kind of scientific um, and product engineering focus to culture and organization design to really see what we can do with intentionality to orient around people experience and and build community rather than conformity when it comes to uh, to culture and and our workplaces and so yeah it's really through engineering that experience that i think we can change what work is and in a very real way then change and impact how we experience our relationships at home and then with our neighbors and society community in the world. I, I generally think that if we can create better experience of work, we can create better communities more broadly. So that's really linked into my my passion is creating community uh, through experience. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Luke, for this intro. And um, we obviously also have Kartika here. Hi, Kartika. Hello, happy to be here and yeah, looking forward to having a conversation with Luke today. Um, today, this episode is for the people of people who wish to approach employee experience as a product and learn product engineering ways so they can adopt it and essentially do so. Um, we will chat with Luke about uh, the fantastic course that he's put together but before we go ahead and talk about this i just wanted to discuss the idea of culture engineering in general and kind of the framework that luke you've used to um to talk about it essentially so um Karthika has a great example around product engineering engineering the culture uh, and i just think that you guys you should take it away and try and discuss this with our listeners. Katika, give us your example. Yeah, so I mean, look, like I I like I love the idea of culture engineering, and Luke, you're gonna talk about it um in a little bit more detail. But for, for me at Vita Mojo, what we have done or what we have implemented um as part of our team and as a growth of the team is actually having things like scrum masters, right? Like somebody who will understand um how to put a project together um so it, it is it is a really um awesome way of kind of getting your your projects up and up, up and running um 
it, it's a different way and you know how we've set up at Vita Mojo um, is, is very simple. We've got pillars um, that we we look towards and each of those pillars work as a product. And I think a lot of people talk about um, you know how do we how do we set up people teams as as a product, etc. Um, and then how do we make sure that we're engineering culture through that. Um, so I think there's there's a lot in there, but Luke, take it away. Tell us tell us a little bit more about um, this framework that you have. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Kartika. And it, it it's definitely a an extension of of what you described there. So the way I have positioned it and the way that I I model it is I set and I help people in ops leaders learn a a cultural source code as I call it, which is the people culture source code and those elements are purpose enablement ownership uh, personalization love and empathy and it's a combination of all of those things that we need to build our experience from with intentionality and the same way as you described in terms of setting up a product team that's exactly the approach that we want to take to the way in which we do our organizational development and design and through that the experiences that we are engineering, which is ultimately what inform, informs what our, our culture is and how it evolves. And so my, my theory behind this and the science that underpins my work is I talk a lot about engineering the physical and psychological environments under which culture evolves, because I think it's quite important that we state early on that culture isn't singular. It can never be singular and it's never... Um, it's never something that you can build and then drive conformity to, because as right. soon as you as soon as you're trying to enforce culture, all of a sudden you're creating something that isn't going to be an optimal environment for people to thrive. So the, the reason I talk about engineering the physical and psychological environment is because if you take the example of uh, evolution more broadly, so genetic evolution. What happens is species evolve and they evolve based on the influences and impacts of the environment under which they live and exist. And the same thing happens through culture for a process called memetics, which is, again, I could talk for hours, so I won't. <laughs> but it's the same concept that uh, desirable traits are passed down from culture to culture and from generation to generation. And yeah. that happens through a process of um of evolution determined by the influences and stresses and impacts of the physical and psychological environment so it's that that we can focus on so we can know the type of culture we want to create right and then we engineer the physical and psychological environments and allow that culture to evolve and how i i guess how you know we've discussed it even at beta mojo is that culture is ever evolving like you you mentioned but personalization of what we do as, as maybe a people team um, is very, very difficult, right, for each individual, but it's not impossible. Um, and, you know, the things that we, uh, and the reason at Beta Mojo why we um, split it into pillars of, and so we call um, our people experience team sort of that product and engineering side, um, they kind of 
they're very good at getting stuff engineered. Um, at the people ops is more engineering. I would say the people experience is more like your product side. Um, and then our talent and partnering is a very delivery oriented. So they're more like account managers, essentially. And we've developed this kind of way of working, um, I suppose, because we want to build and engineer that physical and psychological environment that you're you're talking about because as you mentioned people are very complex I suppose um, and they want different things and when you're building a product it's very hard to to specify and what those those things look like um, and until you can say hey this is this is what we're doing this is why we're doing it we're getting your feedback we're we're building um this cycle this psychological environment this physical environment for you it's, it's really hard to kind of put that into into words and I guess that's why you built this framework right Luke yeah absolutely it's to make it actionable because it, it's uh, there's a lot of conversation around culture and how to build culture and what good looks like in terms of culture um, creation but yeah. a lot a lot of it isn't particularly actionable so it's about trying to create a framework and a, and a source code that can be built from that's universal, but highly tailored to the organization. Um, and I think we're going to talk a little bit in a moment about how to actually embed that practically. But yeah, it all starts with that, having a clear framework and knowing where you're starting and where you're trying to get to. Yeah, absolutely. And and why, so why do you target this, I guess, Luke, um, to sort of that people side and not maybe a business side specifically it's definitely both i just think that the often the people that are looked to to take a lead on on culture is the hr and people function right so i think that's a good place to start and it, it, and i talk a lot about enablement so it's both enabling people and ops leaders to take the idea of people culture source code and and people as product but then equipping also with data that supports the internal conversations that gets the wider business community involved, because yeah. it, it really does require everyone to be engaged and, and intentional is a word I use a lot, intentional about our actions um, in terms of the environment and the experience that we're creating. So starting with the people and ops function is a good place to be, but it yeah. is very much a, a leadership challenge, not just a people and ops challenge. Yeah, and I guess the people function is the one that has to get the buy-in, right, from from right. those leaders. And so maybe a great place to start, if they can understand it, they can sort of maybe deliver on it. Um, yeah. Is how I, how I see it. Um, and also they can encourage our le the leadership to deliver on it, which is, which is great. Um, so when we talk about the this in general how like obviously there are ways in which we can embed this essentially to our stakeholders Luke. like mm -hmm. where where do we even start with something like this I know at Beta Mojo we've done some some of it in in parts um but I'd love to hear from you of, of where where you start with this yeah definitely and it, it it is the probably the most common um theme that comes up in in discussion when i'm when i'm dealing either with companies or with individual leaders it's where do we begin and that's very much the right question to ask mm. so 
I talk a lot about the importance of meeting people where they're at, firstly, so not trying to drive too much change too quickly. So actually really taking a moment to consider your stakeholder group and their readiness for change. And that's going to be different at different levels of the organization. But crucially, once you've done that and you've kind of slowed down in order to speed up, so to speak, and you've come backwards to meet the business where they are, then you can start on your iterative design process, which is identifying requirements, which is where actually the the enablement part of my source code comes in really handy because we look at specifically how to map the, the the more tangible elements of organizational design, such as support requirements, systems, et cetera, structure, how do we distribute people and work? But how do we identify, identify those requirements, then put them into some sort of prioritization? And the model I use for that is a really simple prioritization grid where you're looking at what I call impact ROI, so we're looking at energy, effort, resource versus impact. And so what we want to be doing is focusing our time on the um, initiatives that are lowest uh, energy, effort, resource, but highest impact return. And it's by focusing there, starting small, but having a big impact that you can then start progressing the conversation internally because you can evidence value from the work that you're doing. And I'd really encourage along that product um, ideology to work in sprints, to do yes. retrospectives, to collect feedback and collect data along, along the way and be prepared to pivot because you can't be so fixed on your idea of what's mm -hmm. right for the organization. So build in feedback loops and be ready to pivot. And you can do that by working in sprints. Right. And, you know, and this is what I said initially is like, we have a scrum master right who who helps us with our projects and what what i loved about what you said is that impact roi mm. i get asked about this all the time from our board like from people everyone in our like um company like what is the impact of this initiative and it's really hard i guess in in the people side and we always say this but it's not impossible again luke you're 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 saying what you're saying is not impossible is that actually that impact ROI gets us way further in the people side and I, I can't fathom how important this is like to know these are your success metrics this is the impact it's having this is this is something we tried but wasn't as impactful right. um, and and like having that mindset is a very difficult difficult change because everyone always asks like what do the people team do right like uh I think it's like a thing <laughs> like yeah <it's> like... <laughs> I, I think it's a it's a common challenge isn't it because I think it, it's a legacy of what HR used to be right which was policy process it they were HR was seen as the the police, if you like, of an organization. And I they I know, right? But there was that's that was the ideology that we're fighting against because for decades that has been the role of the people function has been to police and to drive compliance, right? So it's how do we go from compliance into enablement? And you know, we're seeing the best people functions doing that, but what we need to be doing is collecting evidence along the way. So there's a, there's a really great, I can't remember where I, I got this from, but there's a great quote that is, in God we trust, 
all of us must bring data. Yes. And I think that, you know, many other functions have got used to bringing data to the table and it's relatively new for a people function. And then there's the wider question about what data should we bring to the table? What should we be measuring? Um, it's much harder to measure it. I completely agree, but it's not impossible, right, Luke? Like, no, it's, it's not. It, if you know when you start an initiative, and I always say this, when you start an initiative, you should know what data you want to pull. Right. Um, because if you don't know, then you don't know if it's going to be successful or not. And you you have to know like when those feedback loops, you said feedback yeah. loops are so important, right? Like to understand where we're at, even if it's not the right thing, like and it's not the right initiative at least we we have the feedback right right of that yeah. and don't be scared to make a couple of mistakes on the way because your external product like especially in in the tech world and and this is maybe something we could dive into a bit Luke and I'd love to get your your thoughts on this is I guess for me I've always worked in tech so working this product mindset is actually quite easy Right. because you mimic your external product how they're working to your internal like stakeholders and it's actually very easy for people in tech to to have that mindset how does this work though for people that aren't in tech well I'm actually like the perfect person to ask because I didn't come from tech so I came across this way of working when I was in that head of people head of ops role in in the super fast growth startup that I was in and I was finding that the traditional ways of working with regards to HR and people just weren't working they were becoming quite restrictive um, I wasn't being proactive I was being quite reactive and all of the things that I didn't like about the perception of of HR and people I was actually contributing to so I then stepped outside of my comfort and I went to start to do research on better ways of working and that's when I came across sort of product methodology um the lean startup by Eric Reese was kind of my my gateway and then that fueled my curiosity to go further and then I just started using those practices so I just started building Kanban boards working in sprints creating a organizational development roadmap so mirroring the idea of a product roadmap and just creating these things internally and I saw that it was a much more effective way of working and that really then led me down the path to formalizing my research and my methodologies and baking that into what is now the people culture enablement program which is what i wish i had <laughs> when i was in that position right so it's like it is it, a it, fantastic program i think having gone through the course so just a massive shout to you shout out to you for for putting this together for other people and, and making it so actionable as well. I just, I was able to go away and actually bring out one of the things that you've taught us, that you've taught our cohort. Um, and I ran an entire company-wide values redesign workshop using just one of the tools um, that you have shared with us. So it has been just absolutely instrumental for us in, in building our culture going forward. But do you have some other examples of maybe some other companies that have um, used some of the stuff that you have on the course and were able to achieve some 
um, impactful changes that you've heard of? I'm sure your students chat to you. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. No, definitely. And thank you. I really appreciate that. Audio. I appreciate the shout out because, you know, it, it's I, I built it to be actionable. So it's great that I get that feedback and that, that comes up a lot. So which is awesome. And I, I've worked with now uh, 30 plus people leaders from companies, including yourself, Switchy, um, Hotjar, Wonderbly, Sourcebreaker. So loads of different companies, largely um, startups to scale-ups. And there's they're each at different stages of maturity when it comes to people ops and their approach. But there are some significant commonalities that come up time and time again in that the people person is often isolated and under-resourced. Right often unsure on where to begin and what to focus on, often lacking in a clear framework and set of tools for, for org development and culture development, and very often facing really skeptical uh, internal stakeholders, including often founders and CEOs who need to be convinced of the value of investing in people and culture. So the main feedback I get from the program consistently is exactly as you said, Olya. Thank you so much for giving us something that's actionable because so many of these programs and courses that we go on are, are really theory-based. And what you've given us here is actual tools that we can start to use literally the day after or even the afternoon after going on the workshop. So that's the main thing. Those are the challenges that the program is really addressing at the moment. So it's, it's giving, uh, it's creating community, number one, for people leaders to share. Uh, experiences and it's providing a set of tools and resources and a data set to convince those internal stakeholders so one of the one of the great pieces of data that I point to and give out in the program is the Gallup meta-analysis which is I think we're now 2.7 million respondents or more but what that clearly does which is brilliant is links engagement data to commercial data because that's huge we've got to tie what we're doing as a people function to the commercial and business ob objectives otherwise we're never going to get by and particularly in a startup scale up where we've got to be so so specific with what we do with our time to make sure there's a there's an ROI on that effort because resources and funding have to be used and it's exactly and it's exactly again the reason why we often face these skeptical CEOs and founders who want to be convinced of the value of us investing time and resources into building the people team more like the product team and need yeah. all of those, you know, all of that extra time and extra hours to focus on delivering projects. And you know, it's um it's all of that. It's the data that we're pulling, making sure that it's correct. It's um, trying to engage that senior leadership team and, and your founders and trying to explain to them that without you and without kind of your approval and, and motivation top down as much as we do not like top down, but without your motivation top down, these things may may never change and we, we may continue struggling. It's got, think, yeah, there's got, there's got to yeah. be buy-in. There has to be. A, I think there's a, there's a stat that I read recently that was um, in order for any change to be successful, you need to have at least 70 to 75% buy-in from your senior leadership team. There you go. There you go. And I think a lot of the times with these, um, with the product, with treating culture as a product, you have... Um, 
potentially a very motivated people unit that is trying to push, that is trying to pull, that is trying to learn all these tools and techniques. And they are super motivated and engaged to make it happen. But you need to be really good and um, kind of have that holistic picture people leader who can then take all of that to the, to the senior leadership and convince them that everything that you're doing here is a great idea. Otherwise, these people uh, team unit is going to be pulling on its own in this magical direction. I'm sorry, Karthika, I have cut you off. What were you going to say? No, I, was, I, I think you you put it um, so succinctly there. Um, but in reality, I think there are a lot of a lot of your pushback for the people team is because, as Luke said, there isn't that link of data. Um, so there isn't that link of, hey, this is my success. This is this is where I want to end up seeing it. There isn't that feedback afterwards. There isn't the way you're working isn't maybe conducive. And this doesn't go just with tech, right? Like as Luke said, this goes with to but the way a people team should function and work. It can work in any type of environment. You don't have to align it with how your external product works. But one one thing somebody said to me once is, would I ever put out a product release that our customers didn't ask for? Right. Or didn't need? You wouldn't. You just wouldn't. So how do you get the feedback? How do you make sure that this is the right product for them? Um, so that was my like bit of nugget that changed my viewpoint for the better. Well, uh, uh, yeah, I totally agree. And it, you have to, the, the first design principle for culture has to be that your, your internal stakeholders, your people are your customers. So design based on their needs and their experiences. And just to just to to round off this bit on on data and and validation before we and I know we're, we're short of time today, but there's the for anyone who wants to go and have a look at some data that reinforces this one, just send me a message because I'll send you a data pack. But that Gallup meta analysis that I mentioned, it shows conclusively that there's a clear link between engagement and commercial output. So investing in your people function is a must. So there's two things I'm going to, sh to share with One, their data shows that those in the top 25% versus the lowest 25% have a plus 23% profitability on average and a plus 18% productivity, a massive minus 81% in absenteeism. And I could go on. And then the other thing that I talk about, so that first of all, that data exists. So again, send me a message because I'll send you a pack or go and, go and have a look because it is out there. And then the second uh, thing that I like to do is always link back to performance. I talk about people first performance culture, because I think that's a big missing link with some people functions is that I think they can be seen as the kind of um, liberal creative function that is adding great things in terms of experience, but not driving performance. Well, actually, the two are, are, are inextricably linked. And just to talk very quickly on, on some neuroscience, if I can, I talk about love. So love is one of the, the foundation elements of the source code. There's two parts of that. There's compassionate leadership, but there's also flow state. And the, there's the really interesting crossover between the neurochemical response to feelings of happiness, support, connection, love, 
and the requirements for flow state, which is our highest possible performance state. And it, my contention is that if we're building environments that are, are, are built around connection, love, support, and community, what we're actually doing is preconditioning the neurochemical state to achieve our best work. And that is, and again, I won't go into it now because there's too much detail, but the science is quite clear. And then all we have to do then, if we're, if we're engineering the, the psychological environment to create the neurochemical preconditioning for flow, then all we need to do is to, with intentionality, engineer the physical environment too. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then by pairing those two things, the preconditioned neurochemical state with our mindset, our work, our approach, our people, our environment, we're actually engineering a high performance organization through experience and through culture design. So again, it's about being able to link back, I think, to credible sources, credible science that shows why this work is so important beyond it being the right thing to do on a people and human level. It's actually highly linked to performance. And so that's, that's my stance on it anyway. That is so helpful, Luke. And I think definitely because we love our practical tips and advice at the end of each episode, I think the biggest practical tip and advice to everybody listening right now is to go and get yourself some data that will help you just with so much that you're, that you're doing and, and will help you get your leadership team on board and will help you yourself get even more motivated with the work that you are doing, which is already incredible. So thank you so much, Luke, for today. That was amazing. It was one of my favorite episodes. Um, and thank you, Kartika. Thank you all. And Luke, I would love a data pack as my first step. <laughs> no problem. I'll get one over to you after this. And thank you so much, both of you, for, for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation too. Thank you so much, Luke.